The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, there seems only one thing left for us to do in this world, that is to, to binge watch box sets. Yes. <laughs> I got my email today from Netflix, who very kindly told me that they're putting the price up. Yeah, I got that one as well. What, what has it gone up to? About um, nine ninety nine now for well, me. That's still less than what we're paying. Yeah, you're probably paying for four screens. We only allow the kids to watch one at a time. No, <laughs> no, no we, we only have one screen. We, we don't. We, we used to have one in the bedroom, but we don't. We don't have that there anymore. Well, um, you don't need to pay the extra then. No. Well, what are we paying for then? Mm. Pocket in the Netflix pocket. What have you been binge watching? I have been binge watching. We, I, back in the day when I used to work in London, everybody was talking about life on Mars and then ashes to oh, ashes. Oh, brilliant. Yes. And I thought, that sounds absolutely rubbish. No. Um, and then this week I've watched 37 hours of it. <laughs> no way. No, that's it's brilliant. Not, I loved it. Was it 37 hours of it? Oh, God. Well, yeah, the first series, The Ashes, no, the Life on Mars was first, wasn't it? That was three mm. series of about eight episodes each, and yeah. I think they're just over an hour each. And then there's three series of the next one with the girl. And um, and that's like, yeah, so there's like 16, 16 hours each, isn't it? 30-odd hours, 36-something hours, yeah. It's wonderful how, how the policing is so old Don't tell me the ending, though, because we've got that. one episode left. Oh, right. Saving that for tonight. Oh, shh. Nobody yeah, tell treating, Kev. I'm treating Gemma to the last episode. Right. my treat. <laughs> That's what we've got to. Fridays <laughs> used to be, should we go down the Indian and have a dirty kebab on the way home? But now it's turned into, should we watch the last in the box set? <laughs> yeah. Have you watched This Is Us, by the way? I, I have, yes. Oh. Although I found it very confusing. No, it's beautiful, Kev. Yeah, it is. It was good. It I does it does um, uh, bounce back and forwards a bit, but it, it's um, we finished it. Well, we've got up to where we can get with it the other day, and we were we were quite depressed for a couple of nights actually. There was, you know, then we we, start, we started watching Question Time, but that didn't last long. The Fuji Cast. You only can watch so many po- uh, politicians and um, and scientists say we've got to be indoors till twenty twenty eight. I want to go back to 1974. <laughs> well, there we go. Life on, That's what we need. We need life on Mars. And Dan- I want a big red Audi Quattro. Oh, Kev, now you're talking. I always wanted a Quattro. Gemma keeps telling me, Gemma keeps saying, that Gene Genie, he's all right, isn't he? What? <laughs> <laughs> In terms of cars, though, the coolest car ever was, um, did you watch Starsky and Hutch? Yeah. I don't know. Was it a Dodge? I think it was a Dodge, wasn't it? A Dodge Charger? Was it a Dodge Charger? I don't know. It had a big red stripe down the oh, side, didn't no, it? No, white stripe. It was red and had that white, white oh, yeah. almost like Nike kind of stripe. Sort of reverse. Like Colgate. <gasps> Maybe that's where Nike got the idea from, Starsky and Hutch. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was my, that, that was the car I always wanted. Oh. Anyway, well, welcome to the uh, Fuji cast. We won't be talking about um, our box sets for the uh, entire show. You're, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, don't worry if you're not a Fujifilm shooter. Uh, we're a big community, and whatever flavour you shoot, you're very, very welcome. It's you and your questions, as always, if you've been sending them in either to the uh, Facebook group or indeed to uh, click at fujicast.co.uk. We've got Kev's Book of the Week, which is... Three. Three Books of the Week? No, it's called Three. All oh, right, OK. Yeah. Three by Ed Cashy. Oh, now, I'm not sure if we've ah. already spoken about this book, but I figured if I can't remember, then no one else could either. <laughs> well, I do know Ed, Ed Cashy now because he's been on Photography Daily recently. Mm. So uh, yeah, That's I know, what made me think about it. I know Ed, I do. 
Uh, and uh, well, talking of interviews, today we have part two of your interview with Daniel Meadows. So uh, yeah. that's coming up in the the show. I had some really lovely feedback about that interview oh, last week. Great interview. He's such a such a nice man. Yeah, second part is is just as good. Um, and I nearly didn't make it a two parter. I nearly made it a really long, long length one, but I thought at the end, no, we'll make it a two parter. Uh, like yeah. a box set, Kev. Like a box set. Yeah. But not quite thirty seven yeah. hours worth. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> Although I could easily talk to Daniel. Yeah, I think you, prob- you probably could. Who's going to go first? Uh, why don't you go first? Well, we we had one coming literally just seconds before the the show started from from Simon Pope, who is based in Bunker Stroud, which yeah. is not so far from Bunker Malmesbury. No, just up the road. Which is where so Gemma, you, that's where Gemma was born. Was it? Does Gemma know him? Mm, possibly <laughs> okay <laughs> no comment <laughs> hello guys i'm new to your podcast in 2021 uh, so apologize if this has been addressed in prior episodes where were you we started back in 1878 <laughs> uh, i'm an ex-commercial photographer digital who fell back in love with photography at the beginning of 2020 when i started shooting film i'm not overly fussed about camera brands although gas does remain a persistent issue. But what I am fascinated by is this one-camera, one-lens idea. Although I've been exploring this for a relatively brief period, I'm definitely now a 50mm shooter, having started with a 35. There are so many great photographers influencing us out there from the new breed using 28 to the early-day advocates of 50. I understand this isn't really a viable question for pro photographers, but wondered what you would both choose if you were pushed. Thanks for the hard work from Simon in Bunker Stroud. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, that, that one camera, one lens thing is, yeah. has been a thing for a while. And I remember Bert, big Bert Stavani, he, he did a, uh, he got a whole load of people doing the 50 mil challenge, one photo a day with 50 mil. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think it was very successful. Uh, yes, he alluded to it. Someone alluded to the fact that we can't really do that as professional kind of wedding photographers and stuff. But I suppose I, I, I recently, uh, Fujifilm sent me the XE4 recently. Ah, okay. uh, I have it for a whole one week. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually love it. It's, I'm, it, I also have the new 27mm lens on it. So I'm bolting that on there and I'm not taking that off. Right. Um, or giving and, it back. Huh? Yeah, I'll give it back, yeah. <laughs> well, I figure if I scratch it enough, Andreas won't answer it back. Well, why don't you just lend me the lens and it can disappear into that sort of vacuum? <laughs> well, this is, this is the 27mm. Well, I don't think it's technically called the Mark II, but it's right. version II. Yeah. Um, and I lost three of the original ones because they're so damn small. I just kept putting them down and they just went and disappeared. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so this one, anyway, I can't lose this one because it doesn't belong to me. But going back to the question... That that camera, um, or I suppose any camera really, and, and a fixed lens is is yeah. I mean, it's it's an idea, isn't it? And I always feel like the X100 gives us that option. Uh, obviously, you can't really it change it. You've got the teleconverters and stuff. And I think that you know we've said, or I've said many times, if I had to choose just one camera, it would be the X100. Mm. So I suppose that answers the question. So, in that, it's probably twenty three mil for yeah. me. Which, which for those that don't shoot Fuji, effectively is thirty-five mil effective focal length, isn't it? And and I think I'd be the same, Kev. Actually, mm. see that the twenty-three and fifty-six for me are the the staple diet of lenses. 
Yeah. But if I had to choose between 23 and 56, oh, that would be difficult because I use that 56 so much. But mm. what, what would I... I suppose, really, you, you couldn't afford to be that close all the time, could you? Nah. Nah, go 23. Yeah. Come on, be a hipster. Be a, be a hipster like me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got my check shirt on and all sorts today. You? You're probably yeah. hipster. Well, I know on my X-Pro 1 with the, the vintage lens, the Yashica lens I've got, the 28... Has, mm. um, that's a focal length I've gotten very, very used to now, and I like that a lot. Um, yeah, so twenty-eight that, seems to be so. That would be about the sweet spot. Forty-four, wouldn't it? In old, in in not old-fashioned, but other language. <laughs> so, uh, so that that's become yeah. That's a that's a focal length I like. By the way, interestingly, sorry to go a little bit off topic, but back to the XE4 because it's it's kind of relevant to the to the rest of the interview with Daniel, and you'll hear later. And we talk about his ambition for a simple camera that basically just you know you just need to control the mm. exposure triangle. Yeah, and a lot of people are have been saying about the XE4 that you know because uh, Fujifilm have taken away a lot of the buttons. There's not even a uh, focus switch on there, which I am find difficult to to get used to. But the rest of the buttons, most of the buttons are gone, and it's it's really not. It's minimalistic. It's it's really nice. I really like that idea. Yeah. Uh, apart from the focus switch, that's that is taking me time to get used to it. Mm. Um, so I don't know if Daniel's listening. Then maybe the XE4 is worth him looking at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and maybe Simon Pope as well. There we go. Maybe Simon Pope. Maybe yeah. Simon Pope as well. Uh, right, yours. So we've had quite a few uh, messages since I, I got a little bit angry in the group last week. You <laughs> Coming didn't get angry, thread, Kev, which you, is you, very kind of you. No, you weren't angry. You were just you. You were. I, I think you were firm, but fair. Firm. firm. Yes, that's yes. the word. Firm. Okay, so I'm actually just going to start from the bottom. Johan Borhead says, uh, and this is specifically to me, but actually I think it applies to you as well. It says, Kevin, I see you have set up both f16.click and your own website with Squarespace. What made you choose that over WordPress? Uh, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you doubled with a bit before. Uh, he's been thinking about moving back to WordPress because it's free, but then he goes on to say he's lazy, and so Squarespace is just easier. Uh, so we've, we have talked about yeah. this in the past, and in fact we, we did a whole episode didn't we just on website questions we did, yeah. and then we got, I think, I think we we got, got totally told, slated yeah we got told off for it didn't we we did we got told off I thought we were doing uh, a public service <laughs> climping what a nice man oh, what a nice man I've forgotten about climping but in to, so to keep it brief uh johan because i we have covered it before yeah i've moved everything apart from the fujicast website because that's quite complicated over to squarespace i just think it's easier it's better it's fine i can do everything i need to do there it's there is no seo downsides over it uh it's you know in, in terms of cost yes wordpress is free technically although when you start um you know wanting to do anything fancy with it you need to pay for hosting fees and then you have to think about image sizes and all that so squarespace wins on that front uh squarespace t yeah is costing me more than it used to with this with the wordpress systems but i would never go back i mean i just I, I spend my days, uh, you know, looking out the window, watching box sets, and <laughs> just generally with my feet up, rather than thinking about tags and alt text and and my plugins that haven't worked. And, and I noticed this week WordPress rolled out an update that broke half of the the internet. So mm. you know, uh, yeah, none of that worries me any longer. When you and that's say, mostly why I did it. When you say that there's no SEO problems, that there, what do you what do you what do you mean by that? I mean because obviously SEO is is important, and there's no alt tag and stuff like that but these are all the toys that we need to get 
Google to fancy us, isn't it? Yeah, no, there is alt tags in Squarespace. There, there is, there's literally nothing that you can't do in Squarespace that you can do in WordPress in terms of SEO. Nothing. You some sometimes you have to jump through a few kind of little hoops. Like the alt text is easy on single images. It's a little bit more difficult on galleries. But other than that, you can put schema in, markup into it. You can, uh, you know, you can do everything. I just, it's great. I don't, I don't even put categories on my websites anymore. I just don't, I don't have to worry about duplicate content. I, it's, it's just, for me, just, yeah, works fine. Why do you not uh, have to worry about duplicate content? What's different there? Well, because it's not creating any. In WordPress, oh, it, it creates a whole load of duplicate content. Oh. I, and in fairness, they have mitigated that over the years but you know you have author pages you have tag pages you have category pages you have taxonomy pages you have um media links all of that is creating kind of duplicate paid content really and i suppose the biggest it doesn't have to it is the way that the user implements it but i think the biggest problem for people when they have all of these options for them is that they end up over optimizing it and you know spending sleepless nights worrying about it I think that's that's kind of part of the problem. Um, but, yeah, whatever. Anyway, your mileage may vary. But uh, Squarespace for me is nicer. Mm. Well, one thing I would um, mention with Squarespace, since they've gone to what, – what's the latest version, Kev? 7.1? Yep. 7.1, which means that before you were able to choose different um, designs, but now you can't. You, you Essentially, there's one one website fits all, isn't it? Yeah, you still start with a – with a, a look yeah but there's no but it's not quite as it's it doesn't have as much choice as it used to for example you could put all your menus down on the left once upon a time and uh, but you can't do that kind of thing now it's it's it seems uh, it seems to me that if you have a squarespace site and i do and i like squarespace and all my sites are going to go squarespace but they're all going to look pretty similar yeah, they can look similar, but you can you can change it. They're good. You're right about the menus down the left hand side, but I think personally that's a that's a good thing because who wants websites with menus down the left hand side? That's ridiculous. I might in my world. I might. <laughs> I hate it. I mean, why menus should be at the top? That's why we you know menus have been at the top since two thousand and uh, since nineteen seventy five. Yeah, so but I mean, if you, should say. if you look, I mean, one of the websites I absolutely adore of late that I uh, I'm familiar with because of interviewing him and then we've talked about him as well as Søren Solke the um, the Danish photographer yeah and his website's beautiful yeah um, it's menus down the left hand side yeah yeah no absolutely it, it, you know it, it does look nice you're right and uh, I, I for me uh, you know, we said we wouldn't spend time on this this question, but here we go. So uh, I used to be when I worked um, after Microsoft, and then I went into consultancy. I was a user experience lead, if you like, UX lead. Right. And let me tell you now that menus down the left hand side are not very good for you. Um, they're bad for your hands. They're bad for your movement. The mouse. Think about where that mouse has to go all the way over there instead of up the top and across, which is much more natural. Um, so yeah. Anyway, that aside, it does look nice. I grant you. Um, but there's nothing. The good thing about the the, the seven point one, I think, is that you're right. You don't have. There are certain things that were baked into the previous templates in seven point zero. But in seven point one, it's very. Uh, I'm going to try and say this word that I can never say now. Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. <laughs> Ubiquitous. Yes. <laughs> Ubiquitous. There's so Hang many on, silent Kef. letters in that word. Donald, Ubiqu- what do you think? Don't be rude. I know. I brought you out of retirement just to tell him. Ubiquitous. Stop it. <laughs> <Say> it. <laughs> 
<laughs> you picked us. Even the chickens getting angry. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, honestly, you will. You have got more choice in terms of design in WordPress, but ultimately, just remember that no matter which content management system you use, all it's doing is rendering HTML. You yeah. can you can write that in Notepad. It's the, the HTML it spits out is is just exactly the same as anything else. So you know there is no there's no kind of uh, what's right and what's wrong. It doesn't you know what's what's good for the goose is not necessarily good for the gander. Not good for the chicken. So. Well, well, one thing I will say is that, that of course you don't have to worry about what it's going to look like on different things like tablets and and iPhones or um, uh, uh, other systems are available. You just don't need to worry at all. No, that's what I and that's no worry. That's a very good thing about Squarespace, isn't it? That should be their catch line. Squarespace, worry free. Don't worry. Right, Ted Strang. Um, is there a way to film? Um, is there a way to film simulation bracket only two instead of three different simulations? No. <laughs> is that it then? I'm yep. always looking through uh, the viewfinder and Atcross, but uh, sometimes I'd like to have that classic Chrome look. I only shoot JPEGs as I've no interest in editing much anymore. Uh, some Ted Strang in Madison, but you've said no immediately anyway. No, three. Yeah, just three. All right. Okay. I feel I feel a bit I feel a bit cheated with that, so I'm going to have another one. Um, Dennis Lee. It's a, bit, it's a good idea. I'd like them to be able to do two, but yeah. uh, in fact, I'd like them to be able to do five as well. But no, three bit, seems to be the number. It ain't possible. Uh, Dennis Lee, uh, who's um, a good friend of the show, um, there was a kind of a comment in the Fuji Cast which I, I clipped out in the Facebook group. So uh, strictly speaking, this should really be yours, Kev, but um, it wasn't really a question. So. But he, he, he was talking about gas. And uh, can we talk about selling uh, these days? Um, I, I've got a real problem, he says, with gas, but it's even worse with gas release. <laughs> so in other words, he can't find a way. that, that uh, He can buy plenty, but he can't find a way to sell plenty. Oh, I see. Yeah, let it go. Let, let it, go. it go. Let it go. Yeah, it's a difficult situation, that, isn't it? What do you do? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I I have a rule that um, if I've not used it the best part of a year, I don't need it and I sell it. Mm. There we go. Yeah, keep moving, yeah. everybody, keep moving. I, I, I yeah, I kind of agree with that. I suppose that's. I mean, that's very sensible. I, I have cameras that I never use that I would never sell, mm. but I well, also have. Yeah, you're attached to some of those X100s, though. That's. I I also have emotional. cameras that I use that I would sell quite comfortably when the next version comes out so yeah i mean in the cupboard at the moment if i look in the lens cupboard these are the things that i, I haven't used that are very close to going so i've got an old nikon 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 um what's this one 18 to 35 but i just because it because it's the only thing that fits my film camera probably shouldn't get rid of it no um oh no this one i won't because that's yours <laughs> So I can't get rid of... The I'm listening very carefully. Can't re get rid of the 35. Ah, oh, I knew it! <laughs> I have got this 18mm. But I did use it the other day on a photo walk, and I quite liked it, but I haven't used it for a long time. Mm. But I do like well, it. 18mm uh, Mark II is on the lens roadmap. Ah. There will be a new version of that coming soon enough. But then there's an odd one here that I have a very strange relationship with, the 27. Well, I, that's what we just talked about. I've lost three of them, but now oh, I have yes, the new did. version. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, 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 because yeah, they're so small. 
Do you ever listen to me? Yeah, I do. Sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might sell that one with your 35. But then that's it, really. That's it. That's that's the stuff I don't use. So that shows you how often I sell stuff. I'm going to have a big sell-off soon. Yeah. Well, I would never sell any camera bags. Oh, that's what I'm going to get rid of. I, no. I, I have to move. I'm moving offices soon, oh, studios. Was... So I've got bags and bags, hundreds of bags, camera bags, bags that fit bags and bags inside bags. <laughs> And I was bags all over the place. I was filthy angry with you when you said to me you'd been into the pub and taken all your bags and given them to people. Yeah, well, thinking, that's Kev, the best thing to do, isn't it? No. Bag recycling. At least talk to me first. And then <laughs> okay. you got rid of all that flash gear as well. But you didn't sell it. You took it to the dump. Yeah. Yeah, flash. <laughs> flash. Oh, oh, best place for it. Anyway, so there we go. Uh, Dennis, maybe the thing to do is, you know... But we have, um, to be fair, we've seen on Zoom calls into uh, Dennis Lee's bunker. That's probably why we call it Bunker Malmesbury now. Um, he does seem to live in this bunker underneath his house. And, uh, it, I mean, it is full, literally full to the rafters, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, In New York City. Well, there's a, it's not in New York City, but there, there's a Channel 4 show uh, all about people that hoard stuff. And Dennis would not look out of place in that show. <laughs> Okay, yours. Right. I have one from Jarelle Gates, and uh, she says, mm -hmm. question for Neil and Kevin. How do you enjoy stroke view, stroke look at your own photos? Snaps of the kids, photos from past vacations, those photos that mean absolutely nothing to anybody else, but mean absolutely everything to us, dads, husbands, wives, mums, etc. In our house, we found that Google Photos has a screensaver app for Roku. I don't know what Roku is. That must be a, no, no, an American no. thing. No. So we've loaded it up with all these sorts of photos and just let them scroll past on the TV every minute or so. I like seeing them on the big screen, uh, but I am looking into making cheap prints and filling a physical album or something else. Any ideas? Yeah. Uh, way to enjoy these photos. Well, Thank you. Yeah, every year we, we do one thing. We build a great big blurb book of everything and that includes anything taken on the uh, the fujifilm cameras anything taken on the iphones anything at all um it can you know it's 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 not about what kit it was uh, taken with or on and those books they come out regularly and people you know people there's there's only four of us in the house um we look at them often and um yeah we've got a book every year since the the kids were born there's a yearbook. That's how we do it. Yeah, yeah. I've just looked at Roku, by the way. Roku is a brand of hardware digital media players manufactured by an American company, Roku. There we go. Right. Um, yeah, pretty similar for me, too. We, we typically do... I didn't do one this year, though, funny enough, but that's probably because I only took about eight pictures last year. I normally get a Jorgensen album, like a wedding album. Oh, uh, right, okay. Done. Oh, you do it you properly. Know, nice and matted, nice and Lovely. big and uh. stuff. And and the reason I like the Jorgensen ones is because I can stand on them and they help me get the, 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 the tins off the top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I, ask, I have to ask Gemma. <laughs> They're good for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's, it's got to be books for us. That That's what we look at, and... Um, honestly the the boys can just they look they go back years and years with those books and occasionally of an evening they'll say oh have you got the book for you know three four years ago um so we don't look at stuff digitally at all i recently uh either just after christmas or just before christmas i i, I put my head together and started sorting out our personal photo library my lightroom library which of course i haven't done but one of the things i did do mm 
was I, I stripped out all of the videos from it. And, and that includes videos I've taken on my phone, um, drone stuff in Spain, wow. uh, you know, all stuff, anything that's personal, but video stuff. And it was something like 132 gigabytes of video. Oh, my God. Uh, it was a huge amount. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've dumped all of that onto Dropbox. And the kids actually at home, they roar. They watch it. They love yeah, it. Yeah. And, you know, because it's, you know, it's silly little things like them eating when they were babies and stuff like that. Oh, they love that. They absolutely love it. Yeah. And they're just constantly looking through that. Do you know you're right? Because we have a very similar thing. It's um, just kept on a drive. We've got a couple of copy drives of it. And yeah. uh, looking back to um, yeah, w- when uh, Thomas is throwing f- food across the breakfast table, um, yeah, they chuckle like mad at stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Does it? Why? Oh, growing up. Oh, so. Kev. Um, here's one from Chris Orange. Hello, Kev. Hello, Neil. Hope all is well. Quick question. Uh, like everyone else during lockdown, I've watched more Netflix. We should have had this at the start, actually. Should have done. Uh, over the last year than ever before. And last week, I happened to watch the first 10 minutes of a Nicolas Cage film. Oh, we know who likes Nicolas Cage. No. Oh, no, it's not Nicolas Cage, is it? No, she likes... No. Um, Jeff. Jeff. Jeff Goldblob. Oh, Jeff Goldblob. She has a real sort of... Oh, I know. Look, listen. I know. Um, no, so she's all about the Gene Genie now. <laughs> oh, is she? Right, OK. And his red Audi Quattro. <laughs> Um, Anyway, the film is called The Knowing. At the start of the film, a school class buries a time capsule full of information, um, stories and drawings from the school to be dug up 50 years later by a future generation to see what what life was like in the earlier days. My question for you is, um, everything was done today and you had to choose 10 photos for a time capsule, which told the story of the last 20 years for a future generation. What would be your choices? My cool. word. I mean, we could spend all afternoon Good on question, this one. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a cracking question. You get, if there was a jingle for question of the week, you would have it. Do they have to be photos we've taken? Uh, well, you didn't specifically say that, but, it, but, uh, but I, I suppose it probably should be if it's from us. Hmm. Well, I don't know then. I mean, that's really hard because I don't take any pictures of kind of mm. defining moments in time as such. Well, you do really. I mean, it's your, it's your family's defining moment in time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. But people in 50 years' time will look at those and think, oh, yeah, they're, they're really nice. And look at the clothes, they were, look at the funny clothes they were wearing and, and look at the eyebrows on that kid. But or, you, or you'll get a skewed history in about um, 2,000 years' time where they see lots and lots of pictures of Gemma and think, oh, my God, she must have been the queen. <laughs> <laughs> she is the queen in my world. Queen Jeb. Um I I, uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, that would be tough. Yeah, twenty questions, twenty pictures. Okay, well, look. Um, I suppose. Okay, take it out of our hands then. If you put, if you put ten photos for time capsule from from whoever, who would they who would they be for the last twenty years? I would be taking one picture. There's a great picture of me and my friends dressed as dragons in Argentina at the rugby. That would go. Uh, yeah that would go then i think some stuff from spain um what about pictures of history then since oh history so what's happened in the last 20 years oh god so much well the last um the last 15 years we've been locked down so there's nothing really (laughs) yeah i'd like to yeah when did he die was freddie mercury more than 20 years ago um when did freddie mercury die 94, 91, 92, Let's do something that's going to really annoy people. Alexa, when did Freddie Mercury die? <laughs> Is she ignoring you? 
no, no, no. It's just that when we play the podcast out, can you imagine that in some houses? You can get, you know, you can get on Alexa, they call them, um, what they call them, talents or something, those things you can plug in. Skill, those skills. Skills, yeah, skills that's skills, it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talents. talents. You can get one that it means she won't do anything unless you say please. Oh, can you? Great. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, it's horrible just saying, Alexa, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Alexa's going mad everywhere now. Uh, Alexa, the, shut up, please. The, bo- the boys use it for very serious um, uh, things. They've just... It's a, Alexa, play us a wet fart. <laughs> That's all we get at breakfast time. I'm sorry if you don't like that word. Um, Freddie Mercury, 1991. Wow. 91, yeah, I thought it was around about then. Ooh, so it's exactly 20 years. It is 20 years, yeah. So well, I think we on, need to have something, because he was my hero, a musical 24th hero. 24th of November. 24th of November. Uh, so just uh, yeah, just just before um, yeah, something like that. Then we'd have to have some of the really big moments in time. You know, the probably the the, the wars we well, never needed to go into. Um, but, but also we'd have things like Black Lives Matter. That would be huge, yeah, yeah, that would be important. The Iraq, all the stuff in America recently. Yeah, um, but Iraq, as you say, would definitely feature. Yeah, we would have um, the changeover from um, Labour to Conservative. Probably in yeah. this country is quite a big thing. Picture um, of uh, ooh, pic- the, uh, the when the um, uh, the EU. Well, leaving the EU, that was recent. Well, yeah, you'd have, to have a picture of N- Nigel Farage. We're going to get into so much trouble for this because there's so many important things that have gone on in 20 years yeah. that we were just totally. Oh, well, I tell you what, though, I did. I was very excited watching that Mars rover land last night. You were very excited about that, weren't you? That space stuff is good. And and what's his name? When Felix jumped out of the hot air balloon at a million miles high. Oh, yeah. Felix Super Boomer, yeah. or whatever his name is. Super Boomerang. Oh, it would almost be impossible just to choose a few that. Uh... Yeah. That's been suggested by Chris, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would. Um, mm. But yes, so, so something like that. That was the best question we've had for a very long time, and we managed to totally massacre the answer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, um, the whole point about this is sometimes you feedback as well. We, um, when I put the this wall up here in the studio, um, it's um, I've put a time capsule behind it, something very, very personal behind it. Did you? Yeah, I did. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there's... Is some... it Sam? <laughs> no, but there's something behind it that I've put up there because I'm considering that the day it's torn down, probably, I won't be here. Well, is it my 35mm lens? <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, it, funny yeah. enough, that reminds you me, guessed. when we moved into our house, we had... under a, You've been to our house, so you know where our stairs go up in the yeah. kitchen and yeah. there's this space underneath it now, under the stairs. Yeah. Um, but that was a wall. There was a wall there when we first really? moved in. When, when we ha- had that wall. knocked down, right. we found um, a newspaper, a Daily Mirror. And oh. it was the Daily Mirror. F- so it, that wall was, must have been put in on the same day or the day after England won the Football World Cup in 1966. No! <laughs> um, and it was signed by all of the builders. And it was something like England. I can't remember exactly what was written on there, but something about the football. And it was signed by all the builders. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, well, what a great thing. Yeah. Right, well, we'll get back to your question shortly. We've got Book of the Week coming up. I think it's about time that we heard from Daniel Meadows, who you interviewed, what was it, two two weeks ago now? Yeah, about that, yep. Okay, so here's Daniel Meadows, part two. Okay, so so what happened next after after university? And, and of course, I mean... 
I'm not going to go through all your exhibitions and, and all of that. You've got permanent collections at the V&A and Bodleian Libraries and various places like that. But what, where did your career progress from uh, from that period of time? Well, I, I mean, the bus thing was a, a sort of manic thing that went on until um, the uh, I was on the road until the end of 74. And then I wrote the book, which is called Living Like This, which uh, launched at the ICA in London in uh, October of 75 uh, with an exhibition. Um, and uh, yes, you, um, but by then I'd already um, uh, started a new piece of work, which was uh, I, I became the... Um, yeah, again, it's like another age, isn't it? I was the photographer in residence to the borough of Pendle in Lancashire. Can you imagine a local authority employing a photographer to be to respond creatively to the community around? I mean, they gave me jobs to do. I had to photograph, I think it was 800 buildings because it was architectural heritage year and they wanted, you know, all the details of buildings and then I was no kind of architectural photographer but it wasn't really it was just you know we needed this mullion window here and that extension there and uh, and it's and what's interesting is I, I went looking for some of that stuff recently and they've got it all housed in a in a um, archive and it's constantly referred to when planning applications are made um, so that that's kind of interesting but that wasn't the work that that enthused me I mean they gave me this long list thinking it would take me you know, the two years to get around it all. But I'm a kind of manic worker once I get going, and I shot it all in three months. And what, what that taught me, I, I mean, I really learned my way around the neighbourhood. And what I learned very quickly was that um, there were, in, the, in, in that area, a lot of, um, uh, this is in northeast Lancashire, um, so it's high up in the Pennines. There were a lot of practices that I could see were about to disappear um, some of them industrial, there were still steam powered factories, one or two still going that were really like something out of Dickens. Um, and there were also agricultural practices like um, the way people uh, killed their pigs, for instance, on the farm, which would never happen now. Um, and I, I, and I, I spent a lot of time with these. They were mostly what seemed to me like old men, but they were all over forty, and I was still under. 30, I was still in my twenties, you know. Um, uh, difficult people, a lot of them, quite hard men too. Um, trying to get close enough to them to be able to photograph what they did, and and a lot of the things I did are quite esoteric. I mean, I have a Patreon page now. Um, and um, and each uh, fortnight I, I, I post a different set of pictures. I've just been working my way through these, so they're quite fresh in my mind. I mean, there's a, a story about killing a pig, which is something that went on um, you know, around Christmas and the New Year. Uh, there's a story about um, cleaning factory flu, the boiler flues in factories, which is possibly the dirtiest job I've ever seen anybody do and and uh, you know I went I made the point of doing these jobs with these people going into the situation to take the pictures um so crawling around in the dark boiling hot flues of, of, of a of a of, of industrial uh, plant um climbing factory chimneys there was a steeplejack i got to know very well and i did a picture story where i went up a chimney with him on a few occasions i went up but the yeah right i've just been writing about from my notes from that time about the experience of climbing factory chimneys and yeah so i um it, it, it's sort of documentary at its purest in that i'm trying to record things that will shortly not be happening anymore 
Yeah. Um, and that, that body of work was recently republished by, um, by um, uh, Cafe Royal Books, CRB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, they did an eight, the, the eight stories video that you referred to from my Vimeo site is, is the eight stories that are in a Cafe Royal um, uh, box set, which they've just reissued. Yeah, they're wonderful, those CRB um, books. Um, so that, that brings me to, to talk about briefly the, the website, the photobus.co.uk. I have spent an unhealthy amount of time on that website over the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's the most wonderful place because it's, uh, it, it's like an Aladdin's cave. You, you click on a link and then you end up on Vimeo or you come back and you're looking at the exhibitions and the pictures and the books and, and it, there's audio and there's, you know, there's just some beautiful, beautiful stuff on there. Um, one of, I think one of my favorite ones was the, um, uh, the polyphotos um, clip you put on Vimeo, uh, which is about those, uh, you know, fast, it almost looked like fast framed portraits. And I think the one you started talking about was the ones of your mother, I'd never even heard of those in, in in that context. Oh yeah, polyphotos are wonderful things. They um, it it was a, a a way of getting your portrait done cheaply um, in the period um, really from the thirties through to the just into the nineteen sixties. Um, they were in department stores. They're a bit posh, you know, like it would be the sort of House of Fraser type department stores, um, and you saved up your money and you went into the studio and they had this wonderful camera which had sorry i'm terribly bad on numbers i can never remember numbers on the film though it does tell you how many pictures there were. i think there were 48 pictures on a on a single sheet of i suppose it was um, i don't know 10 8 film and it kind of the the the, the lens moved uh, across the the, uh, uh, the 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 frame of the uh, the image creating what we would now think of as sort of contact sheet type images of, um, uh, and you'd have, you know, 48 pictures done and you paid your money. And then a little while later, um, the proofs came, the contact sheet of that glass, uh, what probably was a film plate, might've been a glass plate, I don't know. Um, uh, And then you could, they were numbered and you could, on a grid and you could choose, oh, I'll have, you know, frame, D eight or something, and um, and then you could send off and have a print made. Um, and my mother's were done in the war um, because um, they were going to. Well, you can watch the film; it's called Poly. Well, you've seen it. Um, uh, so yes, it's about um, her being moved from working in London in the Bank of England and then being uplifted because the bank moved a lot of its treasures, including her. To I mean, she was a you know a, a flunky, a secretary, an underling. Um, to country houses in various rural parts of Britain so that they wouldn't uh, be damaged in the Blitz. Um, and uh, uh, yes, and meeting my dad. So yes, the story of my parents, yeah, um, to- told through the polyphotos, yeah, which I've animated. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's seeing my mother as a young woman. Which is, uh, um, I love, you know, the digital technology allowed me to... Um, to, to, to scan each of those images separately, then play them back as an animation. And, um, and uh, yeah, and my mother comes alive. Yeah, it, I think, yeah, you're right. It comes alive and, and it, it's wonderfully creative, wonderfully creative. It's, I really hope that once everybody's finished listening to this, they head to the uh, Photobus website because it, 
it really is. It, it's something of, of uh, incredible importance, I think. Well, you're incredibly kind. I keep thinking it's so old-fashioned. I mean, I have a, you know, I, I don't have the money or the, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, at the moment to to, to really address to making it, uh, you know, more modern. But um, I'm glad you like it and still can navigate it. <laughs> that's that's the charm of it for me. I think that's the charm. It's it's one of those ones. I, you know, you go to websites these days and you start at the top and you finish at the bottom. But this is, uh, you know, you meander through history, I think, with this website. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I, don't change it. I wouldn't. Oh, right. Oh, lovely. <laughs> oh, you've made my day, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. So uh, we, we, we chatted on email briefly about um, one of my regrets. Uh, I, I was born and brought up in Newport, and I used to drive past on the bus every day, past the uh, Newport Art School. Little did I know what was going on in there and the school that I went to, the you know, photography just wasn't a thing. It was never an option. And um, yeah, you, you of course, uh, along with people like David Hearn, Martin Parr and stuff, were teaching there at some time during the 80s, I think, was it? Yes, I came to Wales in, uh, in 83 and uh, lived in Newport near the college. I used to walk in every day. David Hearn invited me. Uh, I'd been living in the north, but by by then I'd started a family, and um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people I think who are photographers have, have struggled when they start. You know, when you're alone and independent, you can kind of um, live your life on a bit of a, a whim. But once you want to have children and and look after them and nurture a family and so on, it's, you have to live a slightly more stable life, um, a more regular kind of existence, and. David invited me to come to Newport and to work with him uh, on the photography, uh, documentary photography program. And it was just the lovely, the best thing to do, particularly when I had a young family. It was a wonderful, yeah, a wonderful, uh, wonderful experience. And, um, but yeah, um, yeah, and uh, uh, I'm only sorry you didn't pop, well, you were still a small chap, but I'm only sorry you didn't pop in, yeah. <laughs> It, it it was a great it was such a wonderful course such a wonderful course yeah I I know several people who went through it and uh, yeah is is a regret of mine but uh, but there you go we all have regrets um, doesn't doesn't define life that's that's the important no, thing no. Um, so it, let, let's talk a little bit about um, not so much technology and stuff, but we'll, we'll start with what did you, being a photography podcast, of course, what did you, what, what were you shooting with generally? What film um, okay, equipment? Okay, let's go back to the beginning. When I started my little shop on, in Moss Side, I, shot, I had a, a, a Pentax and a, and a 50 millimeter lens. And I bought, I think a 28 because the shop was so small and I couldn't get everybody in unless I had a wide angle lens. Um, and I used uh, Ilford uh, F, uh, FP4, which was 125 ASA. And I'm glad I did because, um, and, I, and I used a light, a, a one, just one big studio light. It makes it look like all the pictures that were shot with flash, but actually they were shot with, um, with a big uh, photo flood light. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that was the studio, Moss, uh, that was in Moss Side. Then when uh, I lived on the bus, I had a Roliflex and I shot all the portraits out of doors and tried to work in soft light. All the pictures were done against, mm, you know, as plain a background as I could find uh, next to where the bus would be parked. Um, 
uh, so they were soft light and they were um, uh, daylight and um, using a Roliflex. And I used Tri-X at that point and I was developing all my film uh, on the bus, in fact, uh, in my little dark room there and washing them in whatever water I could find, which is often public toilets um, or rain. I sometimes used rainwater off the off the roof, which I collected in buckets. Um, uh, and I also had the Pentax still going at that time. And then when I uh, became photographer in residence, I, I had actually met Philip Jones Griffiths and the two of us and Martin Parr, me and Philip Jones Griffiths together ran a workshop at Lum Bank, which was um, Ted Hughes, the Poet Laureate's old house, which was uh, basically uh, given over to an arts foundation for running uh, mostly literary workshops. But we ran a photography workshop there. And, um, and Philip had just published Vietnam Inc. And he said to me, you can't go on working using two different kinds of camera. You've got to make up your mind. Are you a medium format camp photographer or are you a, a 35 millimeter photographer? And I said, mm, dunno, 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 dunno. and we went out together shooting. I took him around some mills, uh, some old factories. And he was kind of blown away uh, by you know, this sort of Victorian uh, industry that was still going on. And he said to me, what you need is two Olympuses, Daniel, and a bag full of lenses. And that's what he was using. And so then for the next decade or more, um, I used Olympuses and um, yeah, OM1s, OM2s, and um, yeah, and increasingly lenses and flash guns and so on to go with them. Um, and then uh, at the time I was at Newport, I'm David Hearn was still using, was using a lot of Olympus at that time. Um, and, uh, but I, at that time, started working in the film industry, um, doing movie stills. Um, and so I had kind of, uh, I was, but I was continuing doing my documentary work. So doing the documentary work, I was still working with my Olympuses and their, my old lenses, which I was very familiar with. I loved, there was a wonderful 40 mil lens, which was, you know, slightly wide of standard. And it just suited me perfectly. I, lo I loved working with that lens. And I did my documentary work, continued with the Olympuses. But then I gradually began moving to Nikons. And then for the next decade, when I was working in movie stills business, um, uh, basically something I enjoyed because it's probably the only commercial thing that I could do that I A, enjoyed and B, you know, earned me money, which I needed to earn because I had quite a large family by then. And um, uh, yes, and then the digital age came. And um, well, I, I, I have a, I mean, there are two things going on here. One is that um, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis um, a decade or more ago. And um, and that makes me a fumbling soul now in that um, I'm very clumsy with my hands. And for various friends, including David Hearn, bless him, um, you know, kind of rallied around and, and lent me cameras to play with and to try and to, you know, and, and I ended up with a, um, which uh, the camera that I'm sitting on the floor beside me now, which is my Fujifilm X-Pro1. Um, but I find it increasingly difficult to use because it's got, Oh God, Kevin! I don't know how to say this to the Fujicast man, but um, cameras uh, for fumbling old men like me um, have um, that you pick them up, and it's got—I counted. Uh, there's 22 different buttons on the outside of that camera, and God knows how many more things are activated once you press one of those menu buttons. And every time I pick it up, 
it it's like picking up something new for the first time. You look through the viewfinder and it's completely different from the last time. You look, what did I do wrong? And I think to myself, what camera would I really like? The camera that I'd really like now. And I think it would be a useful thing for students as well, actually, is that basically, you know, I don't want to be patronized by the equipment. I do understand focus. I understand aperture. I understand shutter speed. I understand ISO. And I understand the relationship between them all. And my brain's pretty much hardwired to calculating all of those things when I'm looking for the viewfinder. But what I, what I don't want is something that tells me that, oh, at this moment, bleep, 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 flash, flash, flash. Um, oh, you're, you're making a picture, though. It, it could be like a 1980s role of Portria or something. <laughs> I, go, I don't care. <laughs> what I care about is, can I just set the aperture, please, on a big button on the front and, or a knob? <laughs> Why do I have to have all these flashing lights and menus? Oh, God, and things that go bleep. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I have to say, you're not alone. You're definitely not alone. There's, there's lots of people who would love a camera like that. I know that for a fact. Um, and, and, and maybe there's ears listening that might go down that route. Who knows? But yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with you. Wouldn't it be great to be able to pick something up that you just, you're just in charge of the exposure triangle and the rest is down to your eyes and that's it? Yeah, that's, that's what I need, really. And, and for years, that's, of course, what you had. I mean, an Olympus... <coughs> It's pretty much like that. It didn't have too many buttons on it. It did have a light meter in it, um, but it was only a needle going up and down the side. It wasn't like, um, you know, uh, a, a thousand flashing things telling you what priority is going on at the moment. <laughs> A's and P's. Just give me M. That's all I want. <laughs> Daniel, it's been amazing speaking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, where can, uh, if you want to just let us know, we've talked about the Photobus uh, website, but is there anything else? Do you have Instagram or any of those other modern? Well, I, do have a, I do have an Instagram account. I mean, it's been a sort of lockdown thing, putting stuff on uh, during the first lockdown. Um, I, 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 I remember a little uh, photo book Zoom club on Facebook. Uh, keeps me in touch with the photography world and all these young people. I mean, I started off as the kind of needy granddad <laughs> of the group, but they've 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 uh, oh, they're wonderfully nice people, and uh, they they all persuaded me to start um, using um, Instagram. So I did spend some time putting the, the bus portraits up on Instagram um, during the, 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 the first lockdown. So yeah, there's Instagram things to look at. I mean, the one that I would try to encourage people to learn is, is my Patreon page. It's just, um, you know, patreon.com forward slash Daniel Meadows. And for a pound, you, you only have to pay a pound to join. But it is a place where I talk about my uh, my archive, which is my archive is now in the Bodleian. All of my documentary work is in the Bodleian Library in Oxford. And, um, you know, I'm trying to keep that, you know, which is obviously closed at the moment because of all of the, uh, you know, the pandemic. And so I try to talk about the things that are in it and to play bits of audio and video and 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 also from time to time offer prints at um, you know affordable prices in in return for the loyalty of people paying me uh, where you can pay one three or five pounds a month um, uh, I I offer prints at uh, you know uh, more affordable prices um, and uh, so on and it's been going quite quite nicely you know. Um, uh, and so, you know, I would invite people to do that. But yeah, if you don't want to do that, you, the, the 
I'm so pleased you like my, my Photobus website. Oh. You cheered, cheered me up, Kevin. I can't tell. And there's a new, well, my latest book, When the Bodleian Acquired My Work, which um, was a, a couple of years ago, they celebrated in with a lovely exhibition um, in Oxford in, um, in uh, October uh, 2019. So what, 15 months ago. Yeah. And... Um, and they published a book, which is called uh, Now and Then England, 1970 to 2015, which uh, remains in print, thank goodness, which is nice. And it was for a little while um, one of the Amazon bestsellers. So it seems to have gone down really well. And um, yeah, I think if you want to have a, a good overview of my career uh, with a book that's affordable. I mean, the problem with the, some of the books that you mentioned earlier uh, is that they're expensive now because, you know, they were printed in, you know, in, in reasonably small editions some years ago and they've become collector's items. But, um, you know, I, uh, the book the Bodleian did is is a lovely production, and uh, you know it's twenty five quid on Amazon or something, and um, and so you know it's all there for people to see if they want. Yeah, I I actually have that book. I, uh, my my wife raises her eyebrows regularly when the postman turns up with my <laughs> nearly four hundred photo books. Now is I think something like that. So yeah, I would encourage everybody to. Uh, to support Daniel via Patreon and his books and and everything else, um, it's it's great. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the more that people can carry on seeing uh, your work, Daniel, I think uh, the the better it is for for everybody. Oh, Kevin, you're, it's lovely to hear. Thank you. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have Daniel Meadows on the show for the last couple of weeks. And of course, all the links he mentioned will be in the show notes today. If you uh, like your interviews, you're invited to jump across. To Photography Daily after the show today here. Today, a really interesting story about the, the trumped-up charges stopping photojournalists from doing their work. Two photographers with two fascinating stories from two totally different countries that are interestingly very close in terms of their shared narrative. Plain clothes police arrived and they were quite rough and started accusing me of, you know, uh, taking part in this protest and criminal damage. And I was like, well, look, I... I I didn't do that. When they came to the house, they, they said, uh, are you Andrew Aitchison? And I said, yes. And they said, we're arresting you um, for criminal damage. Then on Wednesday, a beautiful story of family love during personal tragedy. A New York Times shooter over the last decade, Nancy Borowick, who we've mentioned on this show, has uh, narrowed the focus of her work, telling stories of health and struggle and personal relationships using compassion, humility and trust as uh, photographic tools to connect with and explore the lives of her subjects. It's a true and very authentic story of life and love and family when we talk about the book The Family Imprint on Wednesday. I had never done something so personal and I, I, I felt like I what I knew how to do was just be there and shoot and um, and she became very comfortable with me having my camera around. It's over on Photography Daily, available on all podcast apps. Right, back to the questions. Kev, I think you're going first on this one. Okay, so we've got one from Steve. Steve, the moderator, Vaughan. He says, do either of you use a Wacom tablet or similar when editing? I asked this in another group, and I was shocked to see that most people do. I've never gone with one, although I am trying again. (laughs) Yeah, I have tried to use the the Wacom tablets and and controllers, and and I just, no, not not for me. No, I haven't. I reckon. Look, I've got one in here. (laughs) Kev, yeah, it's just in here. Look, everybody's everybody's got one. I've got one, but I've never used it. 
and, and even Steve says, I'm trying again. I've never got on with it, but I'm trying again. Yeah. I am convinced that Wacom have sold at least three tablets to every photographer. <laughs> because what happens is you get one and you think, nope, don't like this. And then about 18 months later, you, you see that loads of the you know trendy people are using one. And then you think, oh, um, I better try again, get another one. Uh, no, don't like that. And that goes in a cupboard or on eBay or something. And then about 18 months later, oh, well, I think, uh, what can I buy this week? I've got everything. What haven't I got that's got a plug on the end that yeah. I can buy? Uh, I know, oh, I, I know. know. I'll get one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had about four of them. Um, however, what I will say is I don't... Um, I don't use it for editing every day, but I do use it for my coloring, my colorizing of ah, black and white images. Dear, it's right. really useful for that. Yeah. Um, how, but no, not do, for general how stuff. How do you use it for that? I, well, I, I just use the pen to do the coloring in because it's quite specific on, especially on things like eyes and yeah. skin. You've got to be very, very careful. Um, and I, I do find it easier with one of those. I don't have a Wacom though. I've got a cheap Chinese, um, I don't know what the brand is, but it was about 30 quid on eBay, on Amazon. Okay. Right. Yeah. So no, Steve, we don't, we don't use them. <laughs> but, but all the, all the photographers out there are nodding their head going, yeah, 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 yeah. I've had three. <laughs> Some a, of them are thinking, oh, maybe I'll try again. We've got a cupboard full of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, Darren Rose, are you ready for a flippy screen gate? <laughs> I have to oh. have at least one a week. I've owned cameras with both flippy and non-flippy screens, and it really does come down to what I'm shooting. But since starting to do more video and starting a YouTube channel, uh, the flip-out screen has been a lifesaver. However, when shooting landscapes, I hate them. There's a, I don't understand why people hate them so much. Well, um, what does it do? Jump out and talk to you or something? <laughs> just, just flip it back in and don't treat it as a flippy screen. No, it's not, it's not quite like that because it, it means that it can't articulate down in the same way as a normal flip down screen does, right, okay. I think. So, uh, and it's a little bit, it's like a three movement thing to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's incredible. There was a post on the Facebook group this week about somebody who who posted another picture of it wasn't his, but of somebody who'd broken their 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 screen off. Um, and yes, of course, it is. It does introduce the you know the the potential for things to break if it's hanging off the side of things. But then, you know, the benefits are are there as well. I I I I do genuinely understand why people don't like it. But at the same time, I think for certain aspects and certain elements, they are, they're essential. Uh, you know, when I'm filming here and doing my YouTube stuff, I've got a great big monitor sticking yeah. on off the side of my camera that I have to HDMI out to because I need to see myself. So you need a flippy out screen. That's what you need. Yeah, I need, I need a flippy, flippy tilty yeah. thing. Well, um, but I don't have any cameras with that, so I can't. But, yeah, I mean... I don't think this is ever going to go away. Want somebody, surely. I think Panasonic is. The, I think well, Panasonic have got some kind of system that yes, everybody seems to like. Yes, Darren has said that. He says there's only one camera that I know which does both. And yeah, it, it's the screen on the Panasonic S S one H. Maybe Fujifilm should take a leaf out their book and go for the best of both worlds. Although it probably wouldn't fit with the aesthetic approach that Fuji have. Well, I can't imagine for one moment that they haven't thought about this. I, I mean, I have no idea. But perhaps there's some kind of um, patent 
issues with that kind of decision. You know, if there's only one company out of all of the companies that seem to have got it right, I would imagine they've patterned it up to their eyeballs. Mm. And so nobody else can use it. Um, and rightly so. I don't blame them. I've always thought, so, I've always thought Canon got it quite quite good as well. Their flippy out screen's quite quite nice. The way it articulates round and down and up. and yeah. Mm. I, I yeah, quite It's like been Canon a long well. time since I used Canon. They didn't have any screens when I used Canon. <laughs> They didn't even take pictures. <laughs> yeah, right. okay. but yes, yeah, I think that one's going to run and run. I'm going to put you in the in the very angry about flippy screens pile. Just up, just over here. <laughs> it's getting bigger that pile. It's getting a huge pile. I think we've got time for one more before we go for the book. Do you want? Do you want to go for it? Uh, yeah, why not? So this is from a Ben a Wagner, or could be Wagner depends on where he's from. Uh, question, how often do you use local adjustments, radiance, gradients, brush tool in editing your wedding photography? Uh, do you touch up every photo with those types of adjustments or do you only focus on a handful of hero shots? <laughs> I always love it when people call hero, hero shots. shots. Hero, hero shots. I always think of like Superman or something. Yeah. Uh, and stick with the local slider adjustments elsewhere or, or do you not use them at all? I use them all the time, actually, local adjustments. Have you been locally adjusted? I have. Yeah, I use them all the time. I think every single picture has some sense of local adjustment going on within it, whether that will be some kind of dodging and burning thing or or a colour adjustment or, yeah, all the time. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I, I, not, I don't think any images will go past, well, maybe a few, but not many will go past with me thinking, right, let, let's just do a general colour thing there and a bit of exposure, bring up the shadows, gone. You know, no, I, I I do go into each image with a little bit more detail than that. Uh, I yeah, I use them too. I don't think I use them as much as you. I'd probably say maybe twenty percent of my pictures do some, but uh, uh, probably it should be more is is the answer. But yeah, especially the uh, the grade. So the the radial filter I use the most. I, I tend okay. not to not because. I think it's just a different way of doing something. So I tend not to dodge or burn using the brush. I tend to draw a radial around the area that I'm interested in and then either darken down around it or brighten oh, up inside of it. Okay. Uh, a similar yeah. process. So, yeah. yeah. They're very handy, actually. You know, yeah. I think Lightroom, Lightroom is very easy to use. Could you, see your, could you see yourself using any other system than Lightroom now? I've got so used... I, I, just, I know we've talked about this before. and We've, we've both dabbled trying other things, but... It just I always return home to Lightroom. Yeah, I, you know, I have no problem at all with Lightroom. I have no problem with the images it produces or anything like that. Um, Capture One is obviously the other uh, the other duck in the ocean, if you like, uh, that lots of people use. And of course, that's perpetual license rather than monthly. Um, so that you know, there's benefits to that. But yeah, I, I Capture One, I have tried it, and I I just the workflow didn't work for me i just couldn't get the workflow right and i use i use a lot of um smart collections i use a lot of my presets my presets are based on profiles uh lookup tables which are not easy to do or in fact i don't even know if you can do them at all use lookup table based profiles in capture one so yeah it's 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 a it's a bit like a wacom tablet I'm sure I will. I will go back to it at some point in the future. But for me, Lightroom is is great. I love it. I, I do really like it. Yeah, with you on that one. Right, should we do book of the week three? Yes, three, three from Just one book, from from seven 
from seven Completely. if it's Ed Cashy. Yes, so Ed Cashy is uh, is obviously from the Seven Collective. Is it collective? Is that what they would call it? Well, it's agency, photo agency. Agency, yeah, agency. Yeah. So um, the book three is, uh, the, the blurb is a collection of uh, triptychs. I love that word, triptychs. are much easier to say triptychs than ubiquitous. Um, by acclaimed <laughs> photographer Ekashi, which plays on the visual appetite of a hectic world. The triptychs span eras and continents, challenging notions of perspective and the possibility for the singularity of an image yeah. contained in a format dating back the Middle Ages Cashy's images examine current issues of social and political significance, bringing together the joy, sorrow, destruction, and reconstruction of a world in flux. There you go. That's a nice write-up, isn't it? That, that, those last, that last part of that sentence could be a wedding, couldn't it? Political yeah. significance bringing together the joy, sorrow, destruction, and reconstruction of a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> So onto the book, uh, and it's a, a really nice. This is so. This is a hardback. I've got the first edition of this. Now I've just looked on Amazon, and it doesn't seem to be available on Amazon, mm. but it is available from other sellers uh, around about fifty pounds. So you'll probably find it in bookstores or on um, a books and things like that quite easily. And it's a horizontal book which suits the uh, the format really well and and it's got some really nice pullouts as well um so a lot of the pages or many of the pages you you kind of open up and then it's, it's a single image on one side and then you flip it open and then you end up with three full pages spreading outside of the book and so these triptychs work really well there's no page numbers so i can't really give you a guide to that but the one i'm looking at one right now um, which is a gentleman um, with no clothes on, uh, on a pier in uh, in a country sunbathing. And the middle picture is a what looks like a herring um, right. fish. And there's all of the birds behind it and all that, some, somebody holding the herring. And then on the right-hand side is another man who is sunbathing also. This time he's got a little bit more clothes on. But he's on a bench in uh, some kind of sports field, and there's there's um, the sports team are training behind it. So kind of each of these sets of images flow nicely together. Now, some not all of the pages are, are pullouts like that. Uh, you have some um, that are in war-torn countries. There's an incredible picture here. Uh, actually, this one does have a page number 52 of a uh, a guy in a car, the back door of the car is open. You can just about see the guy inside the car looking out. And so right at the end of the frame, right at the edge of the frame is somebody's hand. And he's holding a remote control, not a remote control, a, um, a radio. But most importantly, and at first glance, you might not notice it. You might just think it's trees. But behind it, uh, just dust, huge ex- from an explosion of some kind, like billowing, billowing explosion. The middle picture is of a decimated, what looks like a town hall or something, with a policeman outside with a gun, and that place has been bombed within an inch of its life. And then uh, the third picture is a similar scene. It's a what looks like some kind of uh, military outpost that has also um, been bombed. And the next page is um, of a... Which culture is it where they they cover the faces of the dead in in a... um, I can't remember. But anyway, it's it's of that area. So you've got a, a lady, and um, then in the middle there's two bodies that are also fully shrouded. Then on the right hand side is is somebody who's um, presumably mourning, um, but she's also shrouded. 
Um, now she's also got, yeah. So this is all to do with the, you know, the burns and everything on her hands. So her hands are all bandaged up. Mm. Some horrible pictures, but you know, important pictures. Um, there's an, a really bizarre picture on um, shortly after that. Uh, now this will have been in Northern Ireland. I'm fairly sure of that. Yeah, you did spend some time there, actually. Yeah, Northern Ireland. So you've got. You've got a wall that has um, stenciled army, uh, not army, but um, dissident Republican okay. kind of painting on the wall. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, two sets of men and women having a good old grope and a snog, one holding a, a can of oh, beer. I know this picture very well. Yeah. 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 And then in the middle is is somebody jumping over a fire uh, right. with, yeah. a, with a British flag in the background That's on right. a wall. So, and that, that fire presumably is burning something. Uh, and then on the right-hand side, you've got the um, the distance uh, with um, bazookas and guns yeah. and on all masked up with their balaclavas. God, that gives me chills because do you remember, obviously we were not affected by it, but the we used to see it on the news all the time. All the time, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I remember when I used to go to London, I used to work in London in those early days and, you know, when all the big were taken away and and in the city when they put up the bollards all around the city to stop stop people the ira driving into the city and just blowing things up well my my mum always used to say we we never went to the hamleys toy shop which i loved i always wanted to go to hamleys but we never went there and she always used to say well it's a fire trap darling it's a fire trap it's just too much it's too high and it's fire trap it was nothing to do with that at all it was all to do with the fact that she was fearful of the IRA bombing campaign at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember I was in I was in London once when well, I want to say Paternoster Square, but I'm not sure if it was Paternoster Square. Anyway, when when one of the squares in London, one of the the bin bombs went off. I was there. Yeah, oh. not not at that point, but I was in London that time, and yeah. uh, you know, all right. the tubes and everything stopped. But yeah, wonderful. I mean, it's it's a really interesting layout of a book. Uh, there's no words as such. I mean, there's intros and intros, but there's, it's all about the pictures and, uh, you know, you, you've had, or you are having Ed on the photography daily, right? Well, he has been on actually a, a few He's times. He's been on. So yeah, if people listen back to that interview on the photography daily, I'm sure they will, they'll get a bit more of an understanding of some of these pictures. Yeah. Um, but I do like at the back of the book, they have the, um, uh, oh God, what do you call it? The, the, um, little thumbprints with the what explaining the pictures underneath glossary kev yeah anyway so if i i'm going to try and find that one we were just talking there we go northern ireland 1989 young protestant couples embraced during the 11th night bonfire under the ever-present symbol of the paramilitary in in belfast's working class tiger bay it's fascinating watching people choose uh triptychs i I must admit i didn't really um talk to ed about this but i i have interviewed uh, mark power about it the um the magnum photographer Mm-hmm. who uh, of course with Fujifilm there, there, there was that that um, collaboration wasn't there between Fujifilm yeah. and Magnum for, for the home project that's right yeah. and uh, I remember interviewing uh, Mark and uh, I watched him as he chose the triptychs the pictures to go with each other and many of these pictures have been taken months apart they were you know these aren't uh, I think people think of triptychs sometimes as something that has to naturally follow on from each other in the same kind of situation same maybe seem and, and maybe the same few moments that stuff was taken but it doesn't it doesn't have to be like that at all does it well i have to i'm gonna (laughs) now i I feel quite bad about this but the one i told remember i told you that bit just now and i said now which which culture is it that puts um masks over their faces when they're dead yeah um i got that completely and utterly wrong (laughs) 
I couldn't have been more wrong. I'm really glad they're not dead. That's the most important thing. But the first image um, is a woman who's recovering because her husband threw acid on her face. So that's sad. Oh, oh my word. But the second image, where I said they were both um, wrapped up shrouds, dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, California, 1988. Spa patrons undergo a cold wrap. Oh, my God. Oh, Kev. <laughs> oh my god oh, uh, and then the, the one on the, the final one I did yeah. I did get that right um, she was uh, receiving burn treatment um, but the link between those triptychs obviously is the is the, um, yeah, the yeah. gows and yeah. the, the, the gauze that they're, they're wearing yeah. Um, yeah I should have read that first Terrible. do you know that's the beauty of this show we are only human Kev P- yeah particularly and you I did think about not mentioning that but then I thought oh my god I'll get the emails the emails will come in yeah watch them watch them I need to complain. I once did a video on YouTube. Uh, it was a, I think it was a review of the X. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't. It was about looking for emotion in pictures or something. I can't remember anyway. But one of the pictures that I, I mentioned was uh, one of the Martin Parr pictures. And I mistakenly, I, even, I knew that it was wrong, but I mistakenly said it was a picture of cricketers on an English cricket pitch. Right. And it wasn't there. They were crown green bowlers. My, I still get the comments now. No, there's nothing like these comments are, there's no, oh, thanks for putting this video out there. Thanks for showing us this stuff. Thanks for educating us with this. Thanks, thanks, thanks. It's like, that's bowls, not cricket. Or or even I get things like, that's a very big cricket ball. <laughs> oh, dear, Kev. Anyway, back to the book. Yeah, so um, Three by Ed Cashy. It's uh, it is a lovely book. Um, I've had it for a long, long time, so I don't know where I got it from. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a really nice book. It is still available, but you might have to search for it. Nice collection for your shelf, for sure. Good. And, uh, and you can go to the Photography Daily and listen to the interview with him. Well, yeah, but it won't be about that. The, photo- the Photography Daily interviews, we did two, it was a two-parter. The first one was about uh, looking after his father-in-law, and the second one was just more generally about his uh, his work. And um, he's a very interesting chap, um, that's for mm. sure. But uh, good. Right, ready for a question? Yeah. Mark Dell, listening to you guys about the subject, uh, this subject, I use the X100V. Oh, yes, Flash. This was Flash in the X100V. An off-camera Flash with the V. It's been updated, Kev, to allow ND to be used in video. Oh, right, that was just a sort of um, a reminder. Yes. Did you know that? Yeah, so the X100V, the latest update, which came out a couple of weeks ago, now allows you to use the ND filter in video, which is nice because you can film outside in bright lights. Ah. And, yeah, of course, it's got its own little lovely built-in flash. There's another very quick one here from Johan Borhead, who I know is featured already. Uh, hi, fellas. Lovely audio quality on the latest episodes with Valerie Jardin and uh, Adam Carnach. Guess they could uh, have recorded themselves. They recorded themselves. Can Kev make use of the same thing uh, instead of the blobby microphone thing through? Well, I have... Ah, uh, this is... This is. Uh, do you want to have a go at me about my about the cricket balls as well? Yeah. <laughs> no one. Well, it's partly uh, go at me, isn't it? But because um, I I produce the show each week. But I've got to be honest. If you are um, the Adam Carnach one and the Valerie Chardin one, those those interviews take quite a, quite a long time to post process when you're joining everybody together and taking out the. It look without going deeply into it having both of us record our separate parts and try to join them together uh, is a much, much longer editing process. Yeah, it is. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, we can do that. We have discussed that, having recording into boxes both ends yeah. and then, you know, fitting it together at the other end. But, 
Because yeah, it's, a two, it's a kind of two-stage process because you have to do that bit first. Then when you've done that, you go through in real time and edit um, because it, this is a real-time edit. Uh, you listen to a lot of podcasts, by the way, and um, you will hear lots of stuff in there. And I'm thinking, well, I wouldn't have let that through. Oh, that noise. Oh, that. Um, whereas I, I, tr- I try to edit in a... In a uh, it's, it's a... Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Hang on. <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> yeah, well, you can blame COVID, frankly, because if it weren't for COVID, I'd be in, in the studio with you. You'd be opposite, wouldn't you? Do you think you'll, uh, when, when we're allowed to mix again, will we carry on doing the show as before? Or will it always be this way now? Are you very happy in Bunker Marsbury? Hang on. <laughs> Here's your answer to that one as well. <laughs> Can't do that when I drove to yours. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll drink to that. <laughs> right, yours. Uh, okay, another question from the Facebook group. Thank you very much for uh, doing that. I'm looking for a relatively short one. Alex, Alex Fredrickson um, from the uh, Austrian Alps says, Hi guys, can you talk a bit about photo book publication, please? How to prepare and select images, how to choose format paper, how to publish, how to sell. It's a veritable minefield. Oh, it is, yeah. Well, all those things. Um, so Alex wants to sell her books, yeah? Well, she wants to... Pick the pictures. Yeah. Find the right paper. Sing the theme tune. <laughs> Sing the theme tune. Do you remember that? Sing the theme Print tune. Print it. Make the theme tune. And so, um, yeah. I yeah. mean, neither of us have really done that. No. So no. we're not the right people to answer. However, what I will say is um, we had, uh, I think, Kant, Kant Rathood, um We spoke to him before about his self-published stuff. Yeah. He's in the Facebook group, so he might be able to help you, Alex. He will, yeah. Um, obviously, um, Sean Tucker, I got his, uh, volume four of his book the other day. Yeah, good. It's um, good, isn't it? it's he, good. he talked about it briefly. I think when we interviewed him all those, well, probably 18 months ago now. Eons ago. So it might be worth just digging into the archives a little Alex, um, for that answer. Cause I, we just, you, you know. We just I mean, don't, I, well, I don't. I mean, I'm talking for myself. I don't know. You might choosing know. is obviously the subjective part of it, um, but then that's the same as culling any work that you present professionally, anyway. Um, yeah. It's when when it comes to selling, of course, blurb. Um, if you, I mean, I think both Kant and I'm. Well, I know that Sean goes through a printer. I should know this about Kant because we've spoken about it, but yeah, but but um, sorry, Kant, apologies, but you can answer this in the Facebook group. Um, but when it comes to selling, you could you you could choose to sell through Blurb because they have an opportunity to um, uh, to self publish and and sell your work, um, and it's a pretty and it'll squirt automatically e- through to Amazon it, as well, it won't it? Will, yeah, the, it will. And it's a fairly easy process. It's not necessarily mm. the cheapest process out of all those that we've talked about. Um, but it's a good process, and if you want to introduce yourself to it, I would suggest that's that's probably one of the best ways to go around it, about it, rather. Yeah, I mean, so uh, in terms of paper, the, my favourite books are the ones where they've thought about the, the paper. Mm. Uh, you know, some of them are on very delicate rice paper. Yeah. Um, the matted deck, you know, the the, yeah, the tactile un- feel of some of the paper is beautiful. Uncoated. I, I love the feel of uncoated paper. Uncoated, yeah. So the Ed Cashy book, which which we've got now, is is a pretty standard. I mean, it's good quality, but it's, you know, it's pretty standard coated gloss paper, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, you know, there's you're not intrigued by the paper choice with that book. Um, but others, others, you are. So, 
Blurb, you know. blurb do an uncoated stock, so you can. And I was like the sort of the, the kind of rough feeling of that. Uh, do you want a question from John Tamilano? No, let's pick someone else. <laughs> you can't do that to John. He'll be sitting there thinking, "Oh, what's the matter with my question?" It's a lo- it's the last question of the week, and you've just cast him aside. So you have, John. I'm on your side. Hello to both of you. First, let me say that I don't like Kevin. <laughs> that I, no, he doesn't say that. That I look forward to, to listening to your podcast every week. Great info, very entertaining, apart from Kevin. And yes, I plan to support you very soon. Ah, well, there we go. John is now our favourite, our new favourite person. Question, I have the XT30 and love it and wanted to add to my kit with an X-Pro1 or X-Pro2. I'm an amateur photographer, so I'm wondering which would be next, um, which would be best rather next for me. Also, with the X-Pro2 drop in pri- will the X-Pro2 drop in price when a, an X-Pro4 comes out? Kevin, is there a 4 coming? Thank you for the feedback. Hope you and your family stay safe and healthy. From John. P.S. He says, not sure where, where to put the yes for a shout-out, so I'll put it here. There we go. Instagram, at right. Two Moons Photography. Two Moons Photography, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. X-Pro4, no idea. And even if I did have an idea, I wouldn't say anything, but I don't. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would say the X-Pro3 hasn't been out for, I don't know, hasn't even been out for 18 months yet, has it? So It feels like a couple of years now, is it? Sure, just 18 months? Where are we with I don't, it? Wasn't it like March? Maybe it's two years in March or something. Yeah. I, I, no, it was later, wasn't it? Because the X-T3 came before the X-Pro3. I remember making an, an initial film for the X-Pro3, which was ages and ages ago. Yeah, I think the X-Pro3, they, they, they flipped the release cycle. So oh, right, okay. The X, X-T3 came before the X-Pro3, whereas previously it's always been the other way around, I right. think. Anyway, I, I really don't know. But yeah, I mean, they will go down in price. Of course they will. Um when, when newer versions come out, you can get some smashing deals on X-Pro 2s and things like that yeah, these days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, the X-Pro 2 I used for quite a while for weddings and really liked working with it. But I am a bit of a video man. I, I need a camera that, that, that feels appropriate for video and feels right when I'm using it for video. So the pros went and the T's arrived and um, I, I stuck with the T's after that. Um, but the X-Pro 2 is a, is a fantastic camera. Um, I've been using the X-Pro1, as you know, Kev, for all my uh, family and personal work of late, teamed up with um, with a Yushika vintage lens. But if, you know, and well, you say you're, you're not using it professionally, so maybe an X-Pro1 would um, would be great for that. And you can get some thumpingly good deals on an X-Pro1. Yeah, X-Pro1, still a good camera. I mean, it was the original... 16 megapixel sensor so you know yeah. it's not going to be as as good in kind of low light and you know in terms of autofocus speed and everything but if if you're not needing that then yeah go for it it's it's a, it's a lovely camera yeah. I, I still i really love the jpegs out of those first generation sensors yes there is something about i mean i'm very very pleased with the the x-pro one for for myself the x-pro 2 though yeah i did i did have a a, a, a proper sort of love affair with that camera until i as I say for the video, I switched to the T-System. But uh, there we go. Well, hopefully that answers your question, John. And that's it for another week. We're all dunded, so we are. Uh, next week, Jane O'Dell is on the show. Um, uh, <laughs> I keep saying this, and um, she, she's talking about, obviously, her her love of, um, of a... Que- well, I don't know if I should mention equine photography now, Kev. Oh no! How's, how's the equine thing looking? Have you got the horses yet? Ah. They are looking very strange, Kev. I've got to be honest. 
<laughs> when do they arrive or when does it arrive? I don't know. I think I think it's all to do with the post. What? It's delays, yeah. It's something to do with the post. You can't send them no, uh, Honestly, the hopefully soon because uh, Rose the Blesser is desperate for it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're looking. We're looking. Well, look, if you can share the episode in uh, Twitter or Facebook, you're an absolute star. Let us know where you're sharing because we'd like to give those platforms a shout-out too. See you in the Facebook group for any questions you have about today's show. Play it nice, of course, because our moderator, Steve and Peter, are in there. With not such large eyebrows as Kev, but they will still give you a proper Paddington stare if you misbehave. Send your questions in uh, via the Facebook. Um, of course, there's the uh, you've, you've put a, a post at the top, haven't you, um, that, that's yep. there waiting? Um, and, and if you want to get your questions answered even sooner, you can uh, you can Patreon us up. Oh, yes. yes. Patreon.com, Fujicast. Patreon us up. Patreon us up, yeah. What? Uh, or you can send your emails in still to click at fujicast.co.uk. Thank you to Daniel Meadows. Uh, music from Blue Wednesday. Supporting music from the incredible artlist.io. And we will see you next week. Bye, Kev. Bye-bye. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.